Shannon. Hi, G. And hi, everybody else. Welcome to Three Books, One Plot, the only podcast on the internet where one of us reads Life and Death, one of us reads Midnight Sum, and some pedagogical ex-banker with an actual degree in writing reads Twilight. <laughs> ex-banker. Hell yeah, baby. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, my dear, dear friend, Beth, um, who has graciously agreed to be this week's Twilight of the week. Very gracious. Um, Hello. Which of course uh, means that Shannon was this week's feminist of the week who read Life and Death, and I was this week's Edward's therapist of the week, and I read Midnight Sun. <laughs> you sure did. Um, and what a week it is! It's we've got good stuff this week, but in like a nice way, and I'm in a nice way. In for a once. nice way. Wink, wink. Um. Anyway, we have Beth here, which is such a coup for me personally. <laughs> <laughs> Because I also know Beth through the Fan Author Workshop, which we talked about briefly last episode when we had Amber and in episode nine when we had KB. Um, but I know Beth through the Fan Author Workshop because she runs it. So Woo. that's pretty cool and exciting for me. It's just so we get, we've got her. We got her, guys. <laughs> we got her. <laughs> we, said, no, we snagged her. I'm the white whale. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got Beth, and she's got one of my favorite fandom histories. I've heard it before, and I'm excited to hear it again. Okay. Um, so I wanna I wanna give her the floor to talk a little bit about her fandom history, and then maybe you can pimp the fan author workshop a little bit, or at least explain to people Ooh. better what it is. Um. So I had to I had to take notes, even though I've, I've told the story <laughs> so many times. I'm like, what, what what is the order of events? Anyway, um. <laughs> So I found fandom um, actually like way later in life, way later. I was like 24 uh, oh, wow. and I was in, I was in commercial banking at the time um, and trying to kid myself that I would have like a real career in pantsuits and boards <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, and, and I started reading uh, Sherlock fic, uh, which just like blew my freaking mind you know, like I read, I read a Sherlock fic and I'm just like, this is everything I've ever wanted literature to be. Oh, and I was wow. just like immediately like smitten and I never stopped reading fic after that. So after I, I never wrote Sherlock fic because I'm like, I don't know how to write Britishism. So I, when I got into <laughs> Supernatural, I'm like, this is much more my speed, very Americana. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so, so I wrote Supernatural fic for a long time. Uh, then I moved on to Marvel, uh, then Star Wars, the sequel mm. trilogy, uh, and then the hundred. And I think that was like the last like official fandom I was in, in. And since then I've just kind of like bounced around writing and hanging out and multiple fandoms because that's just the way of things in 2022 kind of <laughs> yeah yep, you bet um so at some point in that uh trajectory uh i got a uh, an mfa in creative writing uh which was great um even though when i started the mfa i had never written anything basically but fanfic and so i had no idea what i was doing uh, wow <laughs> but it, it worked out really really well you know i got out of banking because i really wasn't suited for it at all uh in <laughs> any way <laughs> um and so i uh i got i was allowed to teach writing which was awesome uh, and then after the mfa i attempted a phd which i was in for a year and a half before um leaving <laughs> and <laughs> so now i'm here in an apartment in ohio <laughs> you know everyone ends up there at one point right? in an apartment yeah. in ohio 
All right. So that's one of my favorite fandom history backstories I've that's ever heard funny. from anybody. Um, but your Twilight specific history. Mm. Uh, we want to hear that. What is that? <sighs> okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a little older than you guys. And so when I'm like listening to previous episodes and you guys talk about reading at middle school and high school, I'm like, I was, I was, uh, I think 21 years old. Um, and I read it, I spite read it. So at 21 years old, I was an undergrad. I was a women's studies student. I did not really understand critical thinking. Uh, I did not know how to, how to, how to read in any way other than, you know, this very kind of shallow, (laughs) shallow way. Uh, and I had, um, I, I worked with this other, I was a bank teller at the time. It was before I moved into uh, business banking. Um, I was a bank teller and there was this other teller who like knew that Twilight was like a, a hot button, like problem for me because I'm like, it's so stupid. Like I don't like doing things that other girls do. You know? <laughs> it was obnoxious. And so she was just like, Edward is the best. And, and I love him so much. And she just, she just like kept just stoking the fire. And so eventually, I read it just so that I would have like like info. fuel like, like I would be able to fight back mm-hmm. you need that it's crucial jokes on evidence. me I loved it and I recognized it like I, I read it and I'm just like I wish I had found this like six years earlier it would have been my entire life you know well cautionary tale there <laughs> I know right <laughs> look at us uh, <laughs> right and so so I remember reading it and like I, I thought I was going to be all like, um, I don't know, very anti-Edward, like he's such a creep, he's so abusive. And like, I kind of was, but like, ultimately, I I started reading it through the lens of like BDSM. And this is before Fifty Shades was ever Wait. a thing. And I wrote this long ass meta about how like, it's basically the whole thing is a BDSM narrative. And if you read it from the perspective of like, Bella as a willing sub it's it's poorly negotiated but like there is so much imagery even in the chapters we read that I thought was so fascinating of like you know bondage there's all this description of like latex like like all of these images and at the time at 21 years old for some reason I had spent like from from 16 to then weekly reading this like recap of a website that went on to obscure BDSM forums and like summarized them and like took screen caps. And I've read that every week for years. And like they did it to make fun of it, but I was fascinated. I wanted to know more about the Yoshi War. You know, like (laughs) I think we've talked Shannon's Weather Channel story. Oh true bestie. Are you saying that E.L. James is is valid? (laughs) I you know, when when I found out Fifty Shades was Twilight fanfic, I'm like, well, I knew somebody. I knew somebody else had to see this because it, it's that's not subtle, so you know? Fascinating. And this is a chapter in which it's particularly present, yeah, I'd say. It really is. Mm-hmm. When I read this chapter, I'm like, damn, yeah. like now I know more. I now I know stuff about writing, and I can actually like articulate why I like it and what's going on. And I, I don't know. I was I was just very pleasantly surprised by like I still like it. You know, this is a good chapter too to like get that I nostalgia have that exact on it. No, mm-hmm. where I was like, this chapter made me remember what I liked about it as yes. a fourteen year old. Like what yes. appealed to me. Yeah, that was definitely the the feeling I took away from chapter 14 slash 18. We're going to have such a good time today talking about this. And I mean that not in a way where 
I'm like, teehee, I get to do a mean thing to a character. That yeah, I know. Work. I had trouble finding things to make fun of. I was just having a nice time. Well, no, I didn't. Well, <laughs> I still fa- trust me. I still found. I mean, I not so much in Life and Death and Midnight Sun, but in Twilight, I was like, ah, <laughs> we've got some items of pre-book talk. Last weekend, well, not this one, the one before, uh, we were in lovely Los Angeles having our outdoor Twilight screening hosted by Shannon. She came to present company. Yeah, I was able to come visit and I was able to get free ravioli from a food truck. Oh, that's right. Um, Just to be on theme, you know, it was important to me. But we were there. It was a really fun time. I don't know if any of you guys came out. I hope somebody did if you were local. I Um, have been told it was a fun time and I was there. I don't remember I think much it of was, it. I think Shannon maybe astral projected out of her body um, and was just taken over by Every the time of Twilight. They handed me the mic, boom, blacked out. <laughs> yeah, we we made golden onions, um, which we gave out as prizes. <gasps> oh, I have them sitting right we over there. We made a game for the audience. We quizzed you guys on your Twilight trivia, um, which was very fun. My two friends, the only two people that I knew going into the game, um, who I put on team mic on purpose, one. <laughs> They were not supposed to, but they, they were sure supposed did. to win. They were not supposed to win. They don't know anything about Twilight. It was a but huge boy, upset. did they win! Oh yeah, yeah the self-proclaimed like big fans were the ones getting the trivia questions wrong. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, no, it was a lot of fun though, and a lot of people were there. Yeah, we had a gr- oh, amazing turnout. People were so fun. Everyone was like in a, an amazing like spirit. Like everyone was laughing at mm-hmm. all the like times that are kind of unintentionally funny. Cheering when like Carlisle or Charlie came on the screen. There were a lot of dill fuckers in the audience so many dill fuckers yeah (laughs) so it was a really really good time and thank you to anyone who participated um and if you'd still like to participate we'll slide you those trivia questions but no we had a we had a good time um g sadly has been gone for like a whole week and i'm so sad about it i abandoned shannon in her hour of need my bed is so empty (laughs) wow but I got to do something super exciting last week. What did you get to do? For the very first time. For the very first time in my little life, I got to see my comical romance. And listen, I have been waiting 17 years to see, see these bitches. And I finally got to see them as a grown woman. And I sobbed in public. Boy, did I ever. Yeah. Talk about your mid-2000s nostalgia. I was like, Gerard, sing it, baby. And there's been a lot of overlap recently between mcr talk and twilight talk yes and there always is when one or the other is just out and about in the trending virtual world but this time it was specifically invited by gerard's wardrobe choices (gasps) he wore this incredible twilight shirt so clearly they're aware of it you know and they're leaning in Mm -hmm. which is interesting because they haven't always leaned into the twilight stuff um i don't know if most of our audience is going to know this, but Stephanie Meyer is also a big MCR fan. Um, and in fact, wanted them to be on the soundtrack. Of and the remember in episode one where I was like, yeah, Gerard Way, Stephanie Meyer, bass. I had my wrong facts because I love to be confidently wrong. Remember that, folks? Episode one. We're okay. looping back what to Shannon it. is referring to is in episode one when she talked about Gerard Way and said they were the inspiration for Stephanie's Remember Edward how I was wrong? And Lexi and I were like, huh, I thought Henry Cavill was her Edward face claim. Um, But I did have to do a bunch of research for the show notes. Uh, So I went looking for any, I like cross-referenced Stephanie Meyer, MCR. There's all kinds of stuff. Yes, there Um, is. The only thing I could find was she has a blog post about her face claims. Gerard Way is who the fans wanted to play Edward. 
So Shannon wasn't entirely wrong. She was just like slightly getting her, her wires little crossed. Emo teen and fan. She's not the only one because I have seen so much talk lately, so many memes about how Twilight is quote unquote MCR fanfic, and that Stephanie Meyer wrote it specifically about Gerard Way, or that yeah. it was like inspired, which is just like no. Right, no. <laughs> no, it's not. Like it's very well documented why she wrote Twilight, and it was based on a dream she had with for once had nothing to do with MCR, which doesn't say that they weren't a big influence. Because well she documented does, my chem dreams. Yeah, she does um, go on record quite frequently and say that she loves MCR and they inspired her a lot in her writing of Jacob in New Moon. Jacob? Um, yeah. What? Yep. That's the, old, that's the closest thing I was able to find for her being inspired by MCR, but it's certainly not MCR fanfic. Please stop saying that. <laughs> It's that not. is really funny, actually. Yeah, I mean, if you want to read MCR fanfic, I'm sure that exists and is great. Oh, Go no, it, it does. I've never read it, but boy, do I follow people on my dash who I didn't know they were My Chemical Romance fans. But ever since My Chemical Romance has come back, I'm like, wait, there's like lore behind these people? Listen, I know fandom exists. We had Sam on. Mm-hmm. I learned something new every day about that band because of Tumblr now. Kind of same, yeah. Which is why I was so susceptible to all this misinformation and felt the need to set the record straight. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, that's just an interesting footnote for cool today. anecdote, yeah. Yeah. Um, and our, our third order of business before we get to summarizing is we got an, an interesting letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. Okay, so we got a little email. We've actually gotten a lot of good asks, but we those have. we mostly have been answering on Tumblr. So if you send us an ask, don't feel left out here. We love you. This person went to three books, one plot at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. <laughs> and um, they had this to say. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Okay. I just wanted to say that I love your podcast. I love your energy, and it's just effing hilarious. Though I am against Mike. <gasps> Here is my basis on that. His first reaction to being told that Jessica likes him is to compare their boobs. No. <laughs> Two. I agree with Bella that he is annoying. <gasps> Three. I have a problem with everything and everyone in Twilight. <laughs> on another note i think that the amount you resent edward is over the top he however poorly justifies his actions and later bella is aware of his crimes and is fine with it while bella may be an idiot she does kind of give consent (laughs) thanks for reading this and if you want or if you can slash want to can you give my tumblr shout out one of your episodes i am please don't stalk me love you all please don't stalk me Thank you so much for the fact that you went in and you said, no, no, no. They deserve a proper email to hear what I have to say. Because you're right. I love that it's like, love you guys. Here's what you're wrong about. Because that's very much a me thing to do. It is a you thing to do, (laughs) you bitch. That's what we're doing with this entire podcast. We're like, love these books. please don't suck Here's how they suck. No, Team Mike, though. He's just a guy, my friend. Listen, in defense of Mike and the boobs thing, we we did a whole bit about Jessica's boobs as queer women. No, I'm claiming an L on, are we too mean to Edward? Probably. Oh, um, that, yes. That yeah. I will claim an but L on. won't claim the L on the Mike, the Mike slander. Good. High five. Bella likes him. We love Mike. Part friend. of the reason I'm loving Mike so much in this reread is that for years he's been like the butt of the joke in fandom and in canon. Like there's there's that line in one of the later books where she says she'd rather die than be with Mike Newton. It's very um, funny. Yeah. And it is very funny. So like uh, you, people have constantly used him and Eric who let's not miss out on love for our friend Eric because we love Eric too. Um, but like there's, there's he's often the butt of jokes in the fandom of like, yeah, Mike Newton, you know, because it's a supernatural romance and he's kind of the control. Yeah 
group the human to show how much she doesn't like humans. Um, so like I had kind of in my head, he had been flanderized into this annoying caricature of a like kind of douchebag guy. And then when you reread the book and it's like, yes. oh, he's actually kind of nice and like a very normal teen friend way. Little Michael from bio is just, he's just some poor kid. <laughs> like he's genuinely nice to her at a lot of points and stands up to her for her and includes her in activities. And it's like, this is actually a kind of friend that I would like to have. He picks up her slack in gym. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, item item number two. Are we too mean to Edward? Okay, maybe, listen. maybe. I'll say that straight up. Maybe because um, <laughs> I understand from the perspectives anybody that enjoys Edward or likes Edward or liked Edward. When you hear it from people that are also in the Twilight fandom or who are Twilight fans, it gets exhausting because you hear people all the time talk yeah. about Edward Cullen to this and that and Robert Pins and blah. And it's like. I so get it. I understand that you might be just fatigued from just hearing it over and over again. Um, but I will say this. Movie Edward, like him so much more than book Edward. <laughs> well, it's. I, I mean, do. I think that's true across the board of movie characters. They're way more tolerable when you can't hear their internal monologue. And I think we would be nicer to Edward if Midnight Sun wasn't a part of our read because of the fact that we Possibly. get all of those internal struggles that he goes through and all of his thoughts and what he thinks about other people and what he thinks in response to other people's thoughts. Since we get all of that, I could see, and I feel like we saw a lot of this back in 2020 where when Midnight Sun came out, there were even people that like in fandom. Oh was, yeah. They were like, there were Edward uh-uh. fans who were like destroyed the pedestal, you know, they pulled the statues down. And I down. think that also may have helped our enjoyment of it a little bit more too, because we were like, yeah, he's an <laughs> asshole. We all knew this, but it, I guess when you pull off the rose-covered co- um, glasses, sometimes it's a little tough. And well, I, and I think sorry. part of it was also just <laughs> people revisiting things as an adult and having learned to question behaviors that they didn't question yeah. as a teen or a younger adult. Exactly. Is the amount that we resent Edward over the top. I wouldn't say it's over the top. I think, I think he's justified. asking for it. <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God, Gene. <laughs> Um, it's so it's such low hanging fruit sometimes, and I feel a little bit guilty about that yeah. because it's like very easy to make fun of some of the ridiculous over the top things he says. But like, what am I going to do? Not make fun of it? Come on! I mean, what more can I say when you just said that? <laughs> um, I do enjoy that you though decided to say Bella is aware of his crimes and is fine with it. While she may be an idiot, she does kind of get some say because that's what it all comes down to. That's I true. like Bella. very well suited. We've never denied that. Sometimes she bothers me, but I like her. I ca- you've heard. You assholes have heard me stand up to this asshole right here so many times for my girl Bella Swan. I'm going to be nice to her this week. I'm, you know, stand by everything I've said in the past, but I'm going to be nice in the future, maybe. (laughs) We'll put a pin in that. And if we got to flick the pin off the board, so be it. All right. Listen, I will commit to recommit to reparative reading Edward and Bella. And that's as much (laughs) as I'm willing to do. There you go. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. She's so skeptical. Why not? We'll see. No, I, I think you can do it, but I can't wait to have to look at you while you're trying to not say things. Yeah, that might be fun. Your beautiful face. Love you. All right. But yeah, thank you so much for the email. And if you too would like to send an email to us, again, it's just three books, one plot at gmail.com. Simple. You can also just continue talking to us on Tumblr. We have very fun. Um, um, back and forth with y'all sometimes it's very cute so 
thank you guys. We appreciate it. Yeah, good insights. Well, G, do you want to give us um, our timeline check-in and let us know what's happening? What's going on? Where are we? Who are we? Yeah, well, this is another real easy one. It's still Saturday, March 12th. It's exactly when the last chapter left off. So, Ooh, And in the last chapter, we are currently driving back from the meadow. Bella we and sure are. Bo didn't run from Edward and Edith's glittery bodies. We got through Alice's knot. They're so brave. They're so brave. All right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and kick off our, our Twilight talk with our 30 second summaries. And we know you're all so excited for those. So um, giving our 30 second Twilight summary. And of course, all of these chapters are titled what is it again? Mind over matter. Mind over matter. Yeah. So mind over matter. <laughs> uh, Beth is going to give us our first 30 second summary whenever you're ready. Give that to us there. Okay. <clears throat> Edward and Bella have a metaphorical Reddit AMA in the truck. At Bella's house, there are gratuitous descriptions of leftover lasagna. Charlie arrives home, Edward flees, and Bella retreats. Er, Bella reheats yet more lasagna. In her room, they continue the AMA until eventually Bella asks the big question, when we get a bone? <laughs> Edward romantically informs her she, he will crush her skull. Snuggling occurs. Bella falls asleep. Oh yeah, my god. that's right. You're so right. I was not prepared when for that. When we get a bone. When we get a bone, y'all. Isn't that just the question? Isn't that poor Bella? She just wants to know, man. Just she just wants to know. Let her know. Blue balled for three more books. Free her. her. <laughs> no, free her. Oh God. Are you ready to summarize Life and Death Chapter 14? Mind Never Matter. I- I'm cutting it so close today. I practice oh, right. this multiple times. This one I might go over. Um, because every time I do a life and death summary, I always catch my lisp on Edith. Because I start speaking too fast and all of my speech impediments rise to the top from childhood. You write yourself some tongue twisters. Oh, it's so fun. Okay, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Despite me... Oh, God, fuck. Okay, despite Edith's shit music opinions, Bo manages to redeem her only shortcoming this chapter by not guzzling down a glass of milk with his dinner. We learn more about the Cullens. We learn more about vampire abilities. They're snuggling. They're joking. Edith confesses to watching him sleep. And Bo's only reaction is that, oh, my God, what have you seen or heard? I might die because of this. But even if he did die, he'd probably be back to... be brought back to life swiftly because of how goddamn horny he is. Remember, folks, think about marriages for women. Think about sexes for men and potentially killing your partner in the throes of passions for the ginger Collins only. Someone should remind Edith to give her cousins a Conlasco a call. I'm sure they can lend her some pointers. Either way, cheers to Edith and Bo this chapter. I love these silly bitches. Fuck. You did it. Even with my false start. Even with my false start. Okay. Well, I I actually restarted. You're too nice to me. We can add the false start back onto the time. (laughs) That was rough. Yeah. Why doesn't Edith just call up? um... Although, you know what? In this, I'm sure the Denali's also have their gender swap, but Stephanie Meyer doesn't mention it. True. Well, that's she does. True. Does she? I think there's one part where somebody's name is Kirill. I think that's Kate. What? I don't know why I know that. I don't know where that information comes from because I've never read Life and Death before. But I know that from somewhere. I think they are, in fact, brothers. Yeah. Oh, hate that. Anyways, whatever. Whatever, indeed. I gotta say, like, listening to the 30-second summaries, I, I did not ever imagine the cool hand gestures. Oh, I no, feel do like, I do them? <laughs> I, I feel like you should, like, like post it on YouTube. It's very, very engaging to watch. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I had no clue I did it. It's always fun. That's great. I'm glad I know this about me now. My hands just be swimming. <laughs> that's good. You ready for Midnight Sun? I'm ready for Midnight Sun. Are you ready for Midnight Sun? 
I'm mostly ready for Midnight Sun. Well, I want to hear you tell us uh, in 30 seconds or less, my talented friend, uh, if you can tell us about Mind Over Matter, Chapter 18 of this glorious, silly book. Okay, will do. All right, everybody, welcome back to S-Word Education with Edward and Bella. But first, an impromptu sing-along, a disturbing confession, and several of the hottest, coolest, most interesting flashbacks in the series as we learn about Charlie's scandalous salad days, Alice's mysterious origins and personal time paradox, and why you should absolutely always pick fights with wild bears. And finally, it's time to get those balls nice and blue during a sexy game of trick or dare at Edward and Bella's first ever consensual sleepover. Hooray! I can't stand you. <laughs> I knew what you were going to say the second you said, let's get those balls. What else was I? I mean, come on. You are a nightmare. It was low-hanging fruit. Again, I can't oh. pick it. Oh, God, the S word. The first time the V word actually does mean virginity in this chapter. <laughs> God, what? Oh, I can't wait to get to that. But before we get to the hilarity and the phenomenal information that we get out of Midnight Sun, let's oh, pull yeah. it back, let's dial it back, let's talk about Twilight. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk Twilight. Yeah. We're, we're about to have some fun, and I have so many, I have so many, listen, please don't stalk me, I have so many nice things to say about Edward. They might not come immediately, but you're going to hear it. Real quick, though, I have like just a general comment before we get into the actual thing. I think it's very, 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 very funny. Because like in Midnight Sun, Edward this whole time has been like, I can't believe she doesn't care about any of these things. She barely reacts to stuff I say. And when she does, it's confusing and bewildering. Um, because when you like read Bella's point of view, she's always like, oh, he told me some nonsense. And I had to try so hard to just keep it together and not flinch. So, it's so <laughs> I just having that that we've established in the past several chapters of him being like, she doesn't react like a normal girl, a normal human. And she's just like, well, he said something crazy. And I sat still for a second. And then I replied. <laughs> and it just keeps going in this. It's funny. It's not effortless. She's making a Herculean effort and she's doing a great job. <laughs> she's doing, she's holding it together. Yeah. I'm proud of her. She's doing good. It does fascinate me, like, how how sparse her narration is compared to Edward's. There's a reason it's, like, Night 700 pages day. to Twilight's, like, 400. Like, like, every single piece of dialogue, Edward has, like, a whole-ass paragraph of, of, of reflection, and then, and then Bella's just like, and then, and then they said this, and then they said this. Like, it's just, back, like, it's just dialogue. It's basically a script. And then I chugged my milk, and then blah, 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 and it's like, what? His eyes were pretty. <laughs> lasagna it's always fun though because it's like i do love getting those extra paragraphs most of the sometimes well occasionally but yeah with bella i'm always reading it like oh we're done like how you just downgraded that three times i'm being nice to edward we had to qualify you are being nice to edward good so job nice. good That's job my friend oh man uh did anything jump out at you beth at the very beginning i mean okay so so i gotta say a lot of my observations are are like basically just at like the writing level I had a I just I was really fascinated by the prose um and the pacing and I think you know this chapter is really kind of emblematic of what I was so drawn to which is the fact that like we are so close in scene that every scene is blocked like moment by moment you know we it is noted that Bella reheats the lasagna you know like ev every single thing is accounted for and that's yeah. kind of like this kind of like gratuitous myopic lens on on this interaction is just 
I mean, it's kind of delicious, you know? It's not not the, like, the mm-hmm. lasagna probably wasn't. <laughs> and her milk that she chugged after. Oh, what? Okay, I That's support that tomatoes. because because it cuts the acid from the tomatoes, okay? Okay? I drink milk with spaghetti. I will not hear anything against it. Oh, dear. Listen, I'm going to have to edit I, my notes real quick. No. <laughs> no. I drank milk as a kid, but as an adult, I know better. Everybody's lactose intolerant now. Not me. I drink milk every damn day. Beth is built different. A lot of cows She's in Ohio. Built different. Huh? There <laughs> are, and you know, I used to be lactose intolerant, and sheer will pushed no, me through. No, shut up. <laughs> yes. She said, "I'm stronger than you'll ever be." Use sheer will to circumvent your food allergies. I, I do love that at the very beginning. Her very first comments, like, "Listen, when he is it endangering my life, he's an all right driver." Well, that that first sentence is so funny to me. She's like, "He's actually a good driver." It's like pulling a compliment through gritted teeth. I also like the opening paragraph because, like. He's nice. He's relaxed. He's happy. He's so he's much so more happy. bearable when mm-hmm. he's happy. It makes yeah. just, it's night and day how much more I can tolerate Edward when he's in a good mood. So the th- second sentence, the third sentence is, he barely looked at the road, yet the tires never deviated so much as a centimeter from the center of the lane. Uh, and like two sentences later, we get what he's looking at. But at the time, like, if he's not looking at the road, like, are his eyes closed? <laughs> Why isn't he <laughs> looking at the road? There's nothing really else to look at. Couldn't tell you. Sometimes he gazed into the setting sun. Like, first of all, is the setting sun like in front of them? Is it? Is he like? Is he like turned around? He's he's looking at the sun, but it's like back there. Underrated vampire superpower. <laughs> you want to know what makes me mad? This is the meanest thing I have to say. It's not even mean. It's just me okay. calling him on his shit. Why sure. you got a neg sixties and seventies music? Yep, that's what makes him a monster. And she had the opportunity. There are three books here. She had the opportunity of varying the the. What's being made? At least between, at least between Edward and Edith, but she didn't. First of all, the monkeys were in the sixties. Of course, she would. Who wouldn't like the monkeys? The monkeys were in the sixties. The Who, Fleetwood Mac, the Beach Boys, Jefferson Airplane, Pink Floyd, the Doors, the Beatles, of obviously the Rolling Stones. Like, don't get me started. Don't get me started. I'll tell you what this. I mean, as a person who's like not that musically AC, literate, the, what the vibe I get from this is that he likes like doo wop, like sock hop music, and like Rick Astley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also Queen. Queen. Fuck you, Edward. I, when I think of Edward, I think of like melancholy. You know, I, you think he would like rock and roll. Um, yeah. He likes Debussy and Lincoln Park, and then it's like what fifties <laughs> and eighties. That doesn't make sense. I don't know what. She was really driving at here. I mean, she tries to clarify it in Midnight Sun. We'll see. Um, it feels very defensive. This mm-hmm. this part of Midnight Sun, you can tell there's been some criticism leveled at Stephanie for this line before. Um, so put a pin in it. But it's interesting. It's yeah, you know, interesting to me. Offensive to Shannon. I told her when she told texted me about it. This is your tofu. <laughs> yeah. No. This is the thing that I I can't <laughs> stand for. That's the worst thing I gotta say. I think. The, the next observation is that, um, according to uh, my Kindle, we are fifty-seven percent into the book right now, mm-hmm. and this is like the yeah. this is like the big reveal chapter of like you know you had the the main like the culminating romantic moment, the breaking point of yeah. the previous chapter, and now now in this one you have like the resolution of like all the mystery, all the questions that we've had as readers are now being like spoken through Bella and answered by Edward, and so like it's this like 
like it's this nice lull kind of in the story before it ramps up again. I don't remember actually what happens next. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't remember how this book ends. I only remember basically this chapter. <laughs> well, it's good because this is when like the reader gets rewarded because it's like, all right, yeah. you've waited that long. Here's some answers. Edward's yeah, like, well, here. Fine. I've been thinking of it in my head as like the the meadow chapter being the sort of break into act two because mm-hmm. yeah. like act one is like the building the mystery and the suspense and who is he and who's her lab partner and oh my god car incident um, and then like act two is like her initiation into all the paranormal Vampire mysteries that she's world. been wondering about mm-hmm. which was definitely it's definitely my favorite when I was a kid because I loved feeling initiated into things that was definitely a huge part of the appeal for me and i think it's it's pretty like you know this is the easiest you can make exposition for yourself when you have a character who wants to know the same thing as the audience and so everyone's learning the information together and it's not at all clumsy and i was thinking about how twilight is really set up for success in that area in terms of like it's all about Bella uncovering these mysteries and learning all this stuff. But also like there's almost no background information that we need to learn in the beginning. Like it's, there's only two characters Bella knows who we don't and it's her parents. So like, <laughs> it's very easy to be with her yeah. and in that really close narration. It makes sense why, why Midnight Sun is so much longer, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's an, it's a step beyond like Edward answering questions. It's the context of all the answers that we're getting right now. Uh, Which is like, I think, honestly, like a lot of the work of fan fiction is, you know, you're writing something with the assumption that your audience knows about the text that you're writing about. And so you can, you can create all this tension with um, dramatic irony, knowing that they they know things. Yeah. Well, because like I have that, I have, a, I have that note a lot in Midnight Sun because this chapter in particular plays with dramatic irony and uses it to its advantage a lot. Um, yeah, and I think part of it is the chronology of like when Stephanie Meyer knew certain details yeah. because she originally planned Twilight as a standalone, then she planned it to have one sequel that was very different from the three sequels that it mm-hmm. ended up having. Um, so like you can really see her able to incorporate information. Um, that should have been incorporated in Twilight or and would have if she had plotted the whole four books yeah. in advance. Um, and she's able to do that in Life and Death and Midnight Sun and it makes a big difference. Oh, it's weird that he won't tell her how vampires are made because she's like, all right, how yeah. does someone become like you? And he's mm-hmm. like, instead of being like, oh, we get bitten and it changes us. He's just like, because I feel like that's important information with someone that you just decided you're going to start kissing and well, your teeth is very pin close. Pin for Midnight Sun. Pin for Midnight teeth. Sun. Teeth. Be careful. Let's draw some boundaries here. He doesn't do that at all. But she's so unconcerned. I guess it doesn't even occur to him. Yeah. No, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about um, why he doesn't tell her and what he does tell her. Because like this is another case where like what he doesn't tell her is almost more significant than what he does, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Oh, but he does still tell her some fun stuff because we get a little bit of bonus Cullen content. We get a little bit and like he... We get a taste of what we are, a little sample of what we get in eventually in Midnight Sun, because even though he's like, oh, this is my family and these are their little abilities and this is kind of how everybody became yes, a part of the yeah, family. But like, just like highlight reel of all the different things that get revealed in this chapter. He finally tells Bella how old he is, that yes. he was born in 1901, changed in 1918. Um, he tells her Carlisle t- changed him after he was dying of influenza. He tells her Carlisle changed Esme after she, does he say fell off a cliff? I think um, he says fell off a cliff. Some, yeah, yeah, he does. He doesn't say jumped. No, he doesn't. She jumped. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that one's interesting. And then Bella asks, oh, do you have to be dying to become a vampire? And he says, no, Carlisle just wouldn't inflict this life on someone who had another choice. 
um, which gives us another strong indication of his philosophy that Edward happens to agree with. Um, and then he he very much sanitizes. Like like I said, he doesn't tell her so that Esme much. committed suicide. He sanitizes what happened to Rosalie. He sanitizes Jasper's backstory <laughs> big time. Yeah, And it's hard to tell here how much of that is because she hadn't really thought those backstories out yet versus how much is actually Edward sanitizing for Bella. But you get a better sense in Midnight Sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we get the first mention of the Denali coven in Twilight. We've already oh, seen We got to realize. see them. That's right. But he mentions we're not the only vegetarians. There's one more group of vegetarians. We used to live with them. We don't anymore because there's too many of us. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. We get um, a look at how Alice's and Jasper's powers work with her seeing the future and him influencing emotions. And we get the the big question mark of Alice's backstory. Namely, she doesn't know how she became a vampire or what she was doing before then. Yeah, she was just woke up and said, bet. All right, let's keep moving. Which is, you know, big fun for me and Shan. Put a pin in that for many chapters from now. There's one point where Edward's talking to Bella and while referencing humans in general, he says, you people and it just feels like a microaggression <laughs> it just feels like a microaggression vampire microaggression did you have any notes before uh, bella is outed as an absolute freak in like the sexual way because what she's, are you talking about she is so flattered that he spied on her oh that. flattered is yeah. used well i you just can't make this up the only note that i had was about her stomach growling and how i think that's a really cute story beat of Name first of all, her being so engrossed that she forgot to eat all day. And second of all, him like, oh no, genuinely forgetting that humans need to eat food. Because so often his his vampiriness is told rather than shown. He's constantly telling us, I'm a monster, blah, 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 stay away from me. It's nice to have it like shown for once in this cute little beat of like, oh shit, you gotta eat dinner. It's interesting because when I read that, the first thing I thought was that's an anime trope. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is Yes. What? Well, in in um uh, shoujo anime specifically, like it, there will be you know a subject change, and you know there's there's the little squiggly lines of and hunger. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a good um non sequitur to change mm-hmm. scenes. Yeah, get them into the house so that they can segue into that stocking bit. <laughs> But I also like that he opens the door for her really fast. Like, he's finally dropped the human charade. He can appear on the other side of the car and open the door for her. I was going to say, and he also just steals her house key. Oh, yep. She's like, where did you know where that is? And he's like, don't worry about it. He tries to brush it off, but he doesn't completely brush it off. Yeah. I mean, my note for the part about where Bella is outed as a freak (laughs) is that it's funny that the, she's up. She's putting the responsibility for her privacy on herself rather than him. She's like, "Oh my God, what if I said something embarrassing? Like, what if I'm embarrassing? Not what if you were stalking me and violating my privacy?" Yeah, that's a, that's one of those differences where it's like when it's in fiction, you know, and you're reading it in this kind of like safe bubble of like romantic stalking yeah. is totally a trope, and then and then you think about it in reality, and you're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> you you're know? like, oh my god. <laughs> no, she's very, very chill about it, other than that one one blip. Like, I remember thinking her, her biggest characterization is that she's clumsy, but, like, there are all these other little tiny details of, like, the way that she talks, the way that she thinks, the things that she notices, you know, like, that, that make her kind of different than other YA protagonists that I've read before. Um, in that she just like, she really seems like a teenage girl that I could meet 
in, in forks. Our you know? lovely little <laughs> slob Bella who picks her PJs up off the floor to go put them on in the bathroom. I'm sorry. I've re- when I read that, I was like, I'm sorry. She picked up her pajamas from where? Slob Bella can And it made me upset. <laughs> Well, like before that, though, we got to talk about the the brief little Charlie interlude, right? Because they're in the kitchen. She's reheating lasagna. He confesses to watching her sleep. She's embarrassed that she might have said something embarrassing in her sleep. He's like, oh, you said my name a lot. Um, And then he's like, don't be embarrassed. Don't be upset. And there's like a cute moment, I guess. Um, And then Charlie (laughs) shows up to just to, you know throw a wrench into that and yeah. I do love that Edward's suddenly disappearing but she hears a ghostly chuckle um like he's haunting <laughs> her I mean he's been he has been why not um yeah and then Charlie um gets home demands lasagna yeah that's so funny <laughs> he's like serve me some lasagna please give me a slab of that and she does it while she's eating her own she's she's already eating like she has to interrupt her dinner the my hungry guy's energy is off the charts yes it is then he asks her about her day and asks her about boys um <laughs> and i like this moment because she you know kind of dismisses him as like oh i'm not interested in any of the boys in town and she says she's struggling not to overemphasize the word boys which i think it would be really funny if she had because it really lines up with the gay bella reading if she's like i'm not interested in any of the boys <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that would have been funny because she does. She's like, oh, I had to be careful with my emphasis on boys. That would have been funny. Because okay. like you, there's a reading of this scene where it's like Charlie is failing to notice his daughter oh. drop hints that she's gay. When we get to life and death, that's exactly how the scene plays out. Oh, we'll get yeah. into it more. Even more. Life and death always manages to be even gayer. And for that, we salute it. Although I do think it would be hilarious to read this whole story from Charlie's perspective. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. He's so concerned. <laughs> like, the entire time, he's just so curious. Like, is my daughter a lesbian? <laughs> like, what, how, do I, how do I approach this? I, should I get books from the library? <laughs> Someone write that fic. I think it's funny that, like, he's like, oh, you're not going out. You're not going to, like, go out. Like, hey, why don't you hang out with that kid, Mike? Like, you're not going anywhere. But then, like, later on in the chapter, he's, like, checking on her because he thinks she might, like, sneak out. It's like, well, do you want her... It almost seems at the beginning like he would rather her sneak out. And then later on, it's like it flips and it's like, well, let me like peek into her when she's in her bedroom. Just make sure that she's still here. It's like, what's the truth, Charlie? It seems like he's trying to get her to fess up. He's like, it's okay if you want to go out. And then when she's when she's like, I absolutely don't, he becomes suspicious because she's so keyed up. I do like that detail of her being like really keyed up because she knows Edward's in the house and it's like <sighs> the excitement. somewhere. The adrenaline. Yeah. yeah. I love the moment where she goes upstairs to her room and throws open the window and like looks out for him and he's like, hello. And he's like behind <laughs> her on the bed laughing at her it's another good vampire moment <laughs> and in too. his perspective he's like I'm, I'm going to lie down in the place that is the most obvious in the room <laughs> he's there's a whole so hard. paragraph about it where he's like I've been stalking her for so long and I don't know where to sit I don't I don't know what to do so I'm just gonna like like starfish on her bed <laughs> I love how scared she gets though and she's like I have to wait for my heart to snap back she up she sink to the floor she sits on the ground yeah oh it's funny it's so cute it's a great little moment Mm, her and her night with edward she's so excited for her night with edward she is um my dear friend winnie from episode six when we were first becoming friends and i was like oh, i'm really into twilight and she was like oh my god i love twilight confessed to me that there is a line from this chapter which has stuck with her 
more than any other over the years. And you will never in a million years guess what line is Winnie's favorite line. Hold on. Uh, Give me a second. No, give me a second because I bet you I can find it. She might have told you. No, I know she didn't. Give me a sec. Um, Is it after? Is it something about brushing her teeth a third time? Nope. Damn, I don't know. Close though. Close. Very warm. Um, the Victoria's Secret pajamas that her mom got her two years ago. No, no, I don't know. I like that one. I I hate that she didn't bring them. Okay, with her. so Winnie's favorite line is, "The hot water of the shower couldn't be rushed." <laughs> she says every time she gets in the shower, she just like <laughs> becomes Bella Swan and thinks about how the hot water can't be rushed, and it makes her late to whatever she's. That's genuinely so funny. Oh my god! And she has funny. infected me with this because now every time the I get in the shower, be rushed. <laughs> I'd also think about that line. Oh wait, no, I have a question for the two of you. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm the weirdo. Do who brushes their hair when it's wet? Am I insane? Is that a thing you're supposed to do? That makes me feel insane. Technically, you're not supposed to do it. Um, I do How it do because do my it? hair is much straighter if I brush it while it's wet. Some people with curly hair brush it while it's wet because that's kind of the only time they can. That makes um, sense. But like, doesn't, how would it, how do you get the brush through when your hair is wet? You just do. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. And her pajamas. We have to talk about her pajamas um, just briefly because we need to talk about Bo's pajamas. I, yeah. Most pajamas are more thematically relevant. Exactly. Bella's are just, just ratty. It is very funny that she, as Shannon says, picks up a holy t-shirt and some sweatpants off the floor. And then she re- becomes self-conscious kind of after the fact. She's like, oh, I wish I had my nice Victoria's Secret pajamas that my oh, mom got me. you picked it up off the floor in front of him. He's no, he sees what you're putting on. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's also like, I think it would be very Even funny. Even if it were nice, you picked that up off the floor. Considering that Edward has been stalking her if she did have the Victoria's Secret pajamas and she like came into the room like dressed to the nines for bed. I've got another compliment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that is like the allure of the fact that like, Edward is like crazy attracted in love yes. with Bella, who does n- nothing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just fresh out the, the shower. That, like fresh out of the shower, just the way that she smells, the way that she is, that she's like this kind of totally average girl, and this this other otherworldly being is just like. Oh, you know, like, Angel choir, yeah. and, and so it's, it, it's satisfying in that way too. Like that somebody, you know, um, uh, hot, charming, competent, been alive for a hundred years, still yeah. looks hot, you know, could, could just, this girl could be the one. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, my, I had that note too, that the wish fulfillment in this chapter yeah. is off the chain. For real. Especially the part where he talks about, um, how Rosalie was originally supposed to be <sighs> in Carlisle's mind anyway was he was kind of hoping hey maybe maybe Ro- Edward will fall in love with Rosalie um, and Bella you know freaks out and talks about how that how jealous that makes her because Edward which is I love Mike he's talking about how he's jealous of Mike and she's like you, why are you jealous of Mike you're I, you just told me you were gonna date Rosalie <laughs> and she's like I love when she talks about how hot Rosalie is because I, she does gay. it so often another point for gay <laughs> she Bella she does it so often she's like your sister's a fox bro so many people have latched on to the fact that she considers Edward and Rosalie equally attractive <laughs> explicitly stated in like chapter one or two but yeah that is a fun little backstory reveal we find out that carlisle originally hoped 
that maybe Rosalie and Edward would fall in love because she came second. She was his second child, not counting Esme, who was not his child. (laughs) (laughs) But the order of transformation is Edward, Esme, Rosalie, Emmett, Alice and Jasper show up on their own. Yeah. Um, On the doorstep. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know (laughs) that already. (laughs) Literally on the doorstep. They literally showed up on the doorstep. Alice is like, I'm home. Which I put a pin in that for Midnight Sun because I think that is also super wish fulfillment-y. Like instant family. There you go. This person already knows you and loves you unconditionally. They've never met you, but they know you and they love you unconditionally. And you can can just hand your memories over mm-hmm. and then yeah. in a second you you have spent your entire lives beautiful i'm obsessed with it it's crazy past and future mm-hmm. <laughs> the edward and bella version of that is actually the sleep talking thing right because it allows yeah. them to kind of jump off into the deep end of a relationship like yes they did some love confessions in the meadow earlier but like she doesn't have to like struggle with being vulnerable and choose to be vulnerable and tell him this information because she's already told him innocently in her sleep and he already loves it and he already loves her for you know for all the the things she said in her sleep they don't even have to do the hard work of building a relationship they've got a different conflict to deal with what's one of the what's what's one of those conflicts they got currently though that's what i want to talk about Oh boy who's horny who's horny (laughs) who's horny bella wants that that dick baby good for her boy is shiny diamond dick that shiny diamond dick (laughs) she does she said let me get it he really like suggestively asks like he like gets in bed with her and he's like well what do you want to do if not sleep she's like like, uh come on dude (laughs) yeah no no self-awareness with that comment bro you you're in her bed (laughs) he is blue balling her hard i was fascinated by the um the shackles Line. Shackles, he's like, you know, yes. you can shackle me to the bed, but then he's holding her wrists, and then he continues holding her wrists yeah. the entire time. Yes, he does. There goes your BDSM <laughs> metaphor right there, right? Yeah, and like, like allegory. I guess if if you're if you're reading through that lens, like, there's stuff like that like every page you know like it's just it's just glaring. Well, all that talk in the last couple chapters about how he could break her. And he, he brings it up again here when she asks about the sex. I think it's really funny, though, because, like, when she starts bringing this subject up, she she mentions it because she has to bring up the word marriage first because Edward mm-hmm. had just mentioned, like, ah, oh, Rose, yes. uh, Rosalie and Emmett are probably going to get married again in a few years because we started off really young here. So we'll prob- that'll probably be a thing. And she's like, so... um. Uh, marriage, you know, being, you know, how Shannon's married doing couples, the, the two fingers pointing at each other, couples do things in their bed when they're married. Like she asks mm-hmm. if that marriage is the same as it is for humans, um, which I think is very funny. We're far from the first people to point this out, but mm-hmm. the fact that the word sex is never once mentioned in this nope. discussion of sex. No, it's not. Um, and how you can kind of substitute another activity and pretend it's about that. <laughs> I personally picked the cha-cha slide since she brings it up in the context of marriage, but it's like, we can never do the cha-cha slide. I, I might crush but you. Yeah, no, then they confirm that they're both virgins and <gasps> both of them. They said, no, it's never been like this for me. And it's like, that's never been like well, this Well, they kind me. of both come out as demisexual, which is mm. more interesting to an adult me that knows that word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, that's, someone who can't feel romantic feel sexual attraction until they feel romantic re- attraction or like a deep connection with the other person so they both say um he edward says something like i can read mine so i know that lust and love are not always together and bella says like for me they are for me they are and he's like oh same 
So it's interesting. Yeah. What's crazy about this line, though, is that at the towards the end, right after this, he makes a comment um, that she's like, oh, like you, you're attracted to me. And he says, I may not be a human, but I am a man, which, first of all, I don't <laughs> like that comment at all. But also he just said that it's like, what do you mean? I'm a man. You just said before, like, oh, this has never happened before. Like, this is now that I have this deep, profound love for you. Also, yeah. I'm experiencing the hungers. Well, we know he's what? lying because we saw him check out Siobhan's boobs like two chapters ago. He was ogling the hell out of Siobhan. I hate that line. Despise that line. I loved that line when I was a kid because it's it's far and away the most scandalous thing in here. It's the weirdest thing that he says in reference to like attraction in the whole book, I think. He's so gentlemanly. He's so chaste. Except for like this one line was like the first time he kind of admitted. I am a man, bro. To experiencing <laughs> sexual attraction what? to. Bella. I would have liked this more though if he was like, oh, I may not be, uh, or if he had said something like, oh, I'm only human, like as a joke, as opposed to be like, I'm a man. Beep, beep, Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? It does genderize it maybe a little more than it needed to. It smacks of gender. It smacks of gender. <laughs> Although I will say that there's there's a lot of like mood fluctuation in, in these two scenes in this one chapter where it's just like, mm-hmm. ha there's banter, banter. They're talking about stuff, something very serious. Banter, banter, ha. <laughs> it's a little whiplashy. It gives you so much whiplash. That's, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. so many of their conversations are. Like when Edward and Bella bother to joke, it's always at a weird time. Yeah. Most of the whiplash is caused though by just Edwards like flipping like a switch yeah. a lot because he'll he'll be engaging in this conversation that he's enjoying because he's having a good time, but then like it'll be like an errant thought in the back of his head or like the reminder of her humanity and his. It's always like that. vampirism intrudes, monstrosity intrudes. It's strange. Well, it's not strange, I guess, because we know how he is as a character and he's a vampire, so they need to re- maintain this whole like no, this is somehow wrong because we need to still have this weird forbidden aspect for some reason. Um, Well, it's especially jarring in this chapter because this is like the first time it's been more weighted toward that lighthearted banter. In previous chapters, it's been like defaulting to the seriousness and only little glimpses of banter. But like, this is a fun chapter because he's finally enjoying himself. He's having a good time and I'm proud of him. He did such a good job last episode in therapy and he's made a breakthrough and now he's enjoying the fruits of his labor. And there's nuzzling. Mm -hmm. Nuzzling. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of nuzzling happening, yeah. and I support that. Yeah, I do too. It's He's cute. enjoying it, the fruits of his labor, and for once, we ain't talking about pomegranates. Hey, baby. Know? So we don't actually, we don't really get um, Bella's like emotional reaction to the fact that like he's not going to fuck her. No, no, we don't. She's just like, I'm tired now. Bye. <laughs> And that's interesting that she's, you know, because it either means that, like, okay, it's a narrative omission, we're not supposed to know, or that, like, she she's genuinely okay with it, you know, and maybe she is, mm-hmm. because she's a teenage girl, and maybe she's not ready, I don't know, yeah. but... I don't know. It's it's just interesting that there's not like an emotional check-in after this not at all. this reveal no, of like not. we cannot do this thing that you've been wanting to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's setting up future conflicts, which is something she doesn't always manage to do in this book, but she sure did yeah. here. Whether it's on purpose or not, who's to say? My last note is that I just want everyone to know that this chapter has some of the funniest over-the-top descriptions of how hot Edward is. Does and I'm, I, as usual, I've rounded them up so you can hear them back to back. Here you go. Thank you. In this one chapter, he's this godlike creature, 
The fantastic, sparkling creature, his beauty lit up the kitchen, a carving of Adonis, the voice of an archangel. Like, do you guys think maybe Edward is like physically attractive or something? I I can't tell. <laughs> but like, it's such a good, like emblematic of Twilight thing whenever she over the top describes how hot he is. And it's always so noticeable because as we kind of talked about, the prose is like, very sparing in other places. We we just enjoyed him. We did. And we I did mean, we get to him. go to Life and Death and talk about, did we enjoy Edith as much? And then we get to go to Midnight Sun and be like, all right, do we enjoy him less now? So I think that's fun that we're starting off on a positive. You're welcome. Please don't stop me. That is always the pattern, <laughs> isn't it? We're like, we're like, do we enjoy Edward? Do we enjoy Edith more? Do we enjoy Edward more or less in light of what he tells us? In it's Sun? always like, maybe... Yes, we enjoy Edith more. Oh, let's find out. <laughs> yep. Are we ready to pick an MVP? I mean, I got nothing because I think everybody did a good job. This everybody chapter. did do a good job. You're right. There were really only three characters present. They all did great. I mean, if I had to pick one, I probably would pick Edward because this is the nicest he's been to Bella. We could pick Edward. We can. What do you think, Beth? The floor pajamas. <laughs> the pajamas. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I take it back. The floor pajamas. I, I would <laughs> like Edward. I, you know what? Fuck Edward. The floor pajamas. Sorry, please don't talk me. I will t- stalk me. I will take any opportunity to give it to someone other than Edward and Bella. <laughs> That's hysterical. You know what? Three cheers to that. Life and death is fun because it's it's similar, very similar. But just like it is always, it's funny. It's so funny. Of course, yeah. Edith also negs sixties and seventies music, which is I, mm-hmm. I hate. And stare straight into the sun. She's staring straight into the sun. I did have the note that the sentence, the sentence about Edward's quick mind versus Bella being stupid is gone. Bo doesn't do the same thing to himself. Oh, he doesn't. No. Which is funny because I thought being stupid was for boys, but maybe it's not. I do enjoy seeing that swap. A reversal. A reversal at last. It's a little bit refreshing. Mm -hmm. But our observant little Bo, our guy who's usually so observant, he pauses and he thinks about how Edith says the word threat while referring to the potential threats that some of their kind possess, which um, Bella doesn't notice. Yeah, well, it it tracks too with Mm -hmm. like we've talked before about how they're obtuse about different things. She's very like tunnel vision only ever focused on herself and Edward and doesn't really notice what other people are doing. Yeah. Um, But she's also very strong in her convictions and she can tell when she's being gaslit. Bo is the opposite. You can gaslight him all to hell, but he Mm -hmm. sure is aware. Then you'll have to undo it. You'll have to ungaslight him actively. (laughs) You'll have to to confess or he won't understand. The great ungaslighting. Very fun. Edward and Edith say, do you think I could walk down the street in sunlight without causing accidents? Bella's just like, listen, I don't know. But Bo thinks, I thought to myself that she could stop traffic even without all the pyrotechnics. And if you recall, in the last chapter of Life and Death, when he sees Edith in the sunlight, he thinks she's like blown up. He thinks she's literally on fire. Yeah. Which Bella also thinks, but we don't get that in her point of view. It's yeah. so funny. Anyways, I just had to bring that up. Yeah, again, the pyrotechnics is glitter, but also stopping traffic is for girls. It's an important, it's important new detail. It is. (laughs) Oh, and my next note was um, the pin we actually kind of just talked about. Alice's creator being called a he both times. And I was wondering if they were going to change the um, pronouns of his hypothetical creator. Archie's creator, also a he. Also he. So interesting. Okay. I guess they just said, I was going to say that like, oh, it's creating vampires for men but maybe creating vampires and abandoning them is for men which 
hey, Yikes. he didn't mean to. Yikes. Yeah. Well, you have to wonder, like, again, whether that's a character thing or an author thing. Like, did she just not know yet what the deal was? I mean, she later in the book, we do get the gender of Alice's creator. But for Life and Death, are we going to get the same reveal? Oh, speaking of things that are like, are we going to get the same or not? We get a different um, approach to the next upcoming conversation. Oh, are you? Do you mean the stocking bit? Yeah, we sure do. Because for as well as he pays attention, he literally, first of all, he shrugs when she just so happens to know where he keeps his spare key. Well, to be fair, he shrugs out of knowledge, not ignorance, because he's like, "Well, they stole my car keys before. They found the car keys before. They maybe they use the same trick." But where Bella's like, "How do you know this? How often do you watch me?" Bo's just like fully brain dead about it. He just doesn't care. Yeah, he's, he's like, "All right." He's obtuse in that way. And then Edith is like, "Um, because once you're in the house, she's like, hey, um." eat something hello she has to remind him like i know i'm in your house focus and you he's gotta eat. significantly hungrier than bella again a point for our dear friend sam from episode two man's hungry Man hungry could be the title of this chapter one thing i noticed a couple of pages back is yeah. um in in the twilight chapter uh they're holding hands in the truck and edward lifts his hand and strokes uh bella's oh, cheek yeah. but in life and death it's the same thing, but Edith uses his hand to stroke her cheek. <laughs> this is the second I time this has happened, that. too. There were yeah. multiple times at school, I think, where she was, like, dropping him off at class. And Edward would, like, touch Bella's face, but Edith would... I forget what the other gesture was, but it was like, girl cannot touch guy face. Guy That's, must touch girl face. It's really gendered that gesture for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Face touching is for girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having you your know face touched. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Which she's like, she's jealous of certain things. She's like, oh, like, do I miss food? I don't know, because I don't remember how it eats. I ate it. But like sleeping sounds like a fun way to shut down your processes and just She craves vibe. oblivion. Yeah, I don't blame her. Craves oblivion. That was funny. And then, oh, man, now we get the I do watch you sleep confession. So we get a little delayed. But boy, do we get it. Yup. <laughs> oh my gosh. But it's funny because she says it really fun because she's like, okay, well, do you want, cause he's like, well, what do you, what do you do at night? And she's like, do you want a pleasant lie or a possibly disturbing truth? I love that. She's lampshading a lot harder than Edward, which again, feels like a nod to the criticism Stephanie has heard. It's funny. <laughs> yup. He yep. doesn't take his time in the shower. We switch from the teeth brushing Does he even straight. shower? Uh, let's see. I don't oh. think he showers at Wait. all. <gasps> no, does no he, he doesn't. He doesn't? No, he doesn't. Does he, he really does not? He does not shower. He Shut just up. brushes his teeth, teeth three times and changes into the picture. And again, this is the second time that he, Bella has showered and Bo has What was it? Episode one? Showering has already been for girls. Men don't shower, obviously, is what Lexi said in, in episode one. Wow. Why would he not shower? Oh, before we get to the pajamas, though. We got to talk Charlie real quick. I was about to say, we forgot about the um, supporting character, our lasagna. (laughs) Our lasagna. Our lasagna, because our hungry boy decided he wants all the lasagna. He did. And what happens again? Wait, Beth, I think you mentioned this before. What happens? It's Charlie. Charlie says, no worries, Bo. I'll make myself a sandwich. (laughs) So why does Charlie not interrupt? Bo's dinner because he's a hungry growing boy, but he can interrupt Bella's dinner. It reads, it reads as very like I can't tell if if Stephanie Myers is aware of the fact that that 
fathers treat their sons differently than they treat daughters, or if it's just like, oh no, of course it's Bella's job to reheat the lasagna for her tired dad. So yeah. it is like definitely like feminine caretaker, my hungry guy's role um, yeah. for Bella. And Bo also does not pour himself in Charlie a glass of milk. There's no milk. So Bo, no milk. He, he got some points for that one. <laughs> no milk. When Edith um, is kind of against Bo's chest, um, hugging him after the revelation about like, oh no, don't feel self-conscious that you talk in your sleep, baby. Um, it says she hummed almost like a purr, her cheek pressed no, over my no, heart. No, 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 Where is it? I'm The so return pissed. of cat girl Edith, everybody. God. Anyway, cat girl Edith, she lives. She's I still a cat it. girl. I hate it. When Bella, in Twilight, Bella says, no, none of the boys have caught my eye yet. But Bo doesn't say this about the girls in town. He's not like, oh, none of the girls have caught my eye yet. Even when Charlie says the words, none of the girls are in town are your type, eh? Bo just shrugs and gets red. Then when Charlie starts defending Forks, like, well, don't be too hard on a small town. We might have blah, 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 but we have variety. And Bo says, there's plenty of variety, dad. Don't worry about me. And that's the end of the conversation, which you can read so, so gay. Hard. It can read so gay. You ask someone what their type is and they blush and shrug. I mean, and they refuse to talk about the girls in town and they don't say anything at all. They're just like, oh, don't worry. There's plenty of variety. You're getting red. You're getting nervous. You're trying to dodge the questions. It's, it can, I like it. I think it's Truly, interesting. If I were Charlie at this point, I would be like, honey, is there something you want to tell me? It's okay. We'll get you a spot on the pride float. I like, think though that Charlie's like, well, don't be too hard on Forks. We're a small town and there might not be variety, but blah. Because it's like, does Charlie's Charlie picking up the vibes? I like it. Could be, could be. Redeeming himself for making fun of Bo for the scarf. He doesn't need to because that was hilarious. Back off. <laughs> yeah, the scene with Charlie is is great. Yeah, he, you have to drink again for Bo's non-blush blushing when he's <sighs> totally Christ. heterosexually shrugging. <laughs> and then he says, um, the, the way it's expressed is weird where he, he tries to keep the blood out of his neck, which is such a great <laughs> Like, Bo, you're going to give yourself a stroke, buddy. Keep it out of his neck. Uh, Edith's upstairs, baby. She'll help relieve you <laughs> of that. That's where it belongs. Yeah. It's supposed to be in your neck. <laughs> I just, before we leave the kitchen, I want to read my lasagna. Um, okay. Read through. Because I think it's important that our listeners oh, know just okay. how important of a character the lasagna is in this scene. First, he says, I put a square on a plate, changed my mind, and added the rest that was in the pan, then set the plate in the microwave. Next, he says, I found a fork and started eating. I was really hungry. The first bite scalded my mouth, but I kept chewing. I worked on eating my giant plate of food as fast as was humanly possible while not choking to death. And finally, I scraped the last of the lasagna into one huge mouthful and started chewing. Uh, and then a bonus sentence. I thought about Edith in my room and my father's suspicious questions and my lasagna breath. <laughs> His lasagna, His lasagna breath. breath. Oh, that's right, because we do end up back when he's his human minute getting ready. His human minute. Who, who Beth? Was it you talking about his shirt? Was that you mentioned his? Oh yeah, shirt? I have I have thoughts on the shirt. He's going to change into his pajamas, and his pajamas. First of all, Bella has a holy T-shirt while Bo has holy sweatpants. So it's a different item of clothing that's full of holes. Got it. Uh, and then we get Bo's T-shirt described in detail, and it goes like this. It was from a barbecue place that my mom liked, and it had a pig smiling between two buns. And then he has a sad thought where he was like, I wish I'd pick something up that was less dot 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 me. <laughs> Baby, be confident. But he says, what's so me? What's so me is the smiling 
Vor pig. The vor pig. Ew. Don't say that. Don't say that to me. <laughs> he's so happy he's about to get eaten. So my thought is, one, I feel like there is not a teenage boy in the world who voluntarily puts on shirts. Like, every oh. every teen boy I have ever known in my life is allergic to, to shirts. And so when they are comfortable and alone, <laughs> like, he would not have, I don't know. I don't know. I just, that was not realistic to me. My one little brother is the same way. Like, if I visit, when I'm visiting home, if he has a shirt, I'm like, good for you, buddy. <laughs> good for you. Yeah. I have 50-50 in my house. Um, okay. <laughs> I like, though, that he pulled it out of the drawer. He gets points for not yanking it off of he's the ground. He's not a slob. He's uh, got OCD, which Quote begs the question, quote. why doesn't he shower? <gasps> Good point. So another thing that I noticed, though, that yeah. um, in Twilight, the shirt is just like a like a throwaway image. Like, it's just something to, yes. to texturize the scene. But the shirt here is actually relevant, and they have a discussion about it. And so yes. it's so like, good. It, it's, it's a little bit of kind of like, um, I don't know, it shows movement in the writing quality of like you know when you develop images they become relevant to the text yes. you know and so in this case like the shirt isn't just you know a shirt it's a shirt that is helping to characterize and to bring the two characters closer together yes yes because edith comments on it she says i'm not sure how i feel about that shirt he says i can change she says not you wearing it it's entire existence she reached out and brushed her fingers against the smiling pig my pulse spiked but she politely ignored that should he be so happy to be food? I had to grin. Well, we don't know his side of the story, do we? He might have a reason to smile. She truly just called him a little pig boy. And he was like, yes, I am. He said, yes, yes, yes. His pig Sona. His, his pig Sona. Yep. Oh, no. God, girl and pig boy, everybody. That whole exchange, though, is so cute. It is so cute. Let the record show that I need fan art of Bo in his pig shirt. I need it. It's my Christmas wish. This episode is airing on like December 19th. Give it to me, please. Let's see here. Oh, um, just like Bella and Edward, because Bella and Edward, they're touching each other a lot more in their chapter. Edith and Bo, I would argue are doing it much more like they always do. As always, um, yeah. And they they're have, more physical people. They're more physical people. And it leads into the conversations that they end up having. Like at one point, Edith is like, oh, your whole body is shivering. And he says, I don't, I don't think that's from being cold. I told her, we looked at each other for a second in the dark. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm allowed to do, I admitted. How careful do I need to be? And it opens up the whole floodgates. And it's it's once again like very different and but like in a not too bad way because like they had that previous conversation about boundaries and him asking her like tell me what to do and it's he really a wants to be told what to do progression of the conversation <laughs> it is well and the blocking is once again different like she puts her legs over his lap they're both doing this kind of necking where the vampire is like getting all up in the human's neck and jaw and ear. Uh, but in both cases, the girls are the ones to pull away. Bella, because she's just like overcome. And Edith, because she thinks Bo is cold because he's shivering from horniness, apparently. She covers up all the parts of their skin that had been touching before, before she lays back down on them. And this happens. She says, better? She asked. I'm not sure about that. Good enough? Better than that. Because he's like, oh, you didn't have to do that. But like, it's still good. It's still fine. It's fine. Okay. It's okay. Whatever. But he's Whatever, so upset. You know, he's so upset. He is respecting her boundaries. He's trying. Well, the, the shackles, the shackles are the same across Twilight. Yes. Oh, yes. All are. Which is interesting. It's, you know. I like it. 
He's I cute. like it. Yeah. So the exact same setup. And that's where we get our incredible sentence about where Bo's blood is going and yes. what it's doing. But before we get to that, I mean, we have the same beat where Edward and Bella talk about jealousy. Mm-hmm. Edith and Bo talk about jealousy. And instead of bringing up Rosalie, of course, Bo has to bring up Royal, which is funny because he says Royal, male model of the year, Royal, Mr. Perfect Royal was meant for you. And I laugh every single time because I've never like met a teen that's like comparing themselves to like another guy. And it's like, oh my gosh, this male model. It would be like an athlete or like, yes. have you seen yeah. a male model? She couldn't think of a better thing to say than Runway Bella models? Says, the incarnation of pure beauty, Rosalie. Whereas... I think she was like, mm, can't say that about Royal. No homo. Can't say that. So she tried, she no homoed a little too close to the sun on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Male models are like gangly and tall and have them crazy facial features. I do think, I do think he, like a, a guy would drop male model to be emasculating though. Mm, good Maybe. point. Good point. No, I, yeah, you might be onto something there. Yeah, and Mr. Perfect is also kind of condescending. Yeah. yeah. But it does make me laugh because I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Edith is talking about how she's had to wait so long for him. <gasps> I wrote this down for Twilight and forgot to share it. Okay, tell well, me. Do you want to share it, it? Okay, I'll set it up and you can say the line. Okay, well, let me go back to my Twilight notes. Because Bo and Bella both say it. And um, Edith and Edward are talking about how, like, uh, oh, we had, I, I never felt attraction to anyone before you i totally don't feel attraction to royal slash rose yeah 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 yeah. they're my sibling blah 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 um all this time i never realized what i was looking for because you weren't alive yet and Bo and bella say it doesn't seem fair i haven't had to wait at all why should i get off so easily it's why do i get off so easily? oh it's a little different than in, in twilight then in twilight it's why should i get off so easily did we find another difference wait that's so funny why should i get off so easily versus why do i get off so easily oh because both are both already gotten <laughs> off i guess uh and then we get our our real fun conversation edith's like talking about like what do you want to do <laughs> Well, and unlike Bella, he actually answers in the affirmative. He says, honestly, a lot of things, none of them careful. He's the honesty and the level of communication honesty. there is already so good. Like and they've already opened up that communication because they've been establishing boundaries for for episodes now. Well, and it's interesting because it's like, on the one hand, does it maybe sap some of the tension? But on the other hand, it does make them feel more likable. Like they have just fewer hangups and neuroses as people it might get rid of some of the like the sexual tension and the build-up but i think the trade-off is pretty even because i feel like i'm rooting more for Bo and edith than i am for bella and edward because of the fact that these are two people that i'm really enjoying reading so it's like i still want it all to happen but in a different way i think um but bella has to ask about marriage to start the conversation off Bo just straight up just edith is eventually like are you asking me about sex because he won't say the word and it's it's what he's asking about they jump straight into the topic of sex and sex is actually spoken edith says sex they're talking about sex he, he word vomits a whole paragraph instead of the one marriage sentence that bella does and he's like and he says like i'm insanely attracted to you and i'm sure with you being like super aware of my circulatory system you've noticed which that's the boner line there it is (laughs) boner line and it's kind of it's just a little bit cute like she's she's trying to be like oh buddy you can say sex it's okay (laughs) 
But then she's like, I don't think dot, 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 that would be possible for us, which is basically just being like, listen, if I'm not careful, careful, I will rip off your dick. Like, hold on now. <laughs> and she, she then, then she starts to say the same things as Edward. Yeah, but the, the implication is very different, as Shannon just said. It gets better, though, than just like the same, like them talk, hitting the same beats because Edith starts telling Bo the things about him that like distract her. Yes. And she waxes poetic about his blue eyes. And then she says this. She Wait, says, read it. Six of your 10 admirers started with your eyes, too. And Bo nearly shits himself. <laughs> Bo nearly shits himself when she says this. And she's like, oh, like, do you want names? Like, I'm not kidding. Because she's like, you're absolutely. He's like, you're making fun of me. She's like, no, I'm not. I'll give you the names. I'll tell you who. Which is something, again, that Edward says to Bella. I don't even know what book it's in. He says he doesn't give a number. He doesn't say 10. He just tells her you'd be surprised at some of the people who are your secret admirers. Again, the wish fulfillment. You could have 10 admirers. You won't even know it. I, I don't I don't know if that's wish fulfillment as much as like, it is so true when you think back on your high school days, like so many more people had crushes on you than you had any idea. Yep. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. They both ask each other their sexual history and they're like, nah, this is all, it's all a first for me. Oh. She says, it all took me quite by surprise when I realized that not only did I find you delicious, but also beautiful. <laughs> L-O-L. Because he's, he's so self-conscious. He's like, I don't believe that you're attracted to me. And she's that's why she's getting specific, talking she's about like, the eyes and the me. admirers. Um, and then the other, the other sexy bow qualities she lists off are his arms, shoulders, and hands. Um, and his chin, his sexy, sexy chin. What? It's so weird. And then my absolute favorite that I have to read is she says, oh, and I didn't even mention your hair. Read the line. And he says, okay, now I know you're making fun of me. And she says, I'm truly not. Did you know your hair is precisely <laughs> the same shade as a teak inlaid ceiling in a monastery I once stayed at in, I think it would be Cambodia now? <laughs> and he says, um, no, I did not. <laughs> Yes. He doesn't have to reply to that. Cambodian <laughs> monastery ceiling hair <laughs> is for boys. Oh my god. If you want to learn 67 romantic ways to describe the color brown, read Stephanie read Meyer. Twilight, baby. Talk the about whole that saga. monastery ceiling. You can't beat that. Yeah, I just had she's going to let him hit it because he has sky blue eyes and Cambodian <laughs> monastery hair. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yep. Um, I I know what my lists are and I know my MVP. I'm ready to go. All right. Well, give us your list. G, tell us in this chapter, what is for boys and what is for girls? Okay. We're going to start with things that are for women and they are showering, um, stopping traffic, holy shirts, being a furry and milk. <laughs> milk is for girls. Milk is for girls. Wink, wink. That's right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to kill you. Things that are for men. Making yourself a sandwich, holy pants, being cold, lasagna breath, sexy chin, pig t-shirts, and Cambodian monastery ceiling hair. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that one so much. That's my favorite. I had a great time with these lists. Hell yeah. That, that was a funny one. Now, MVP, I, f I mean, like, I feel so similarly to what I did with Twilight, though, because ev everybody here was was great. Everybody Honestly, did such a good job. I, I was fully prepared to give it to Edith right up until the introduction of the pig shirt. 
and then there was no contest. There was no, just blew everyone else out of the water. If we're going to give it to Bella's holy pajamas, we absolutely obviously have, have to, to give it to, it the, to picture. the picture. Absolutely. Okay, Little pig boy. That's fine. That's actually, fine. full disclosure, I went looking to see if I could find this logo because it, once again, she's describing a specific logo. It feels like something she's seen in real life. And there are so color? many barbecue place logos that are like this. Like I know I had a famous Dave's near me growing up with a smiling, happy pig. Um, I couldn't find it. I looked in I looked in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I looked in Utah, the places Stephanie has lived, to try to be like, what's the local barbecue joint she's oh, in? Oh, fine. I couldn't find it, but you can find so many similar ones. There's so many smiling, happy pigs that are That's really cute. delighted to be eaten. She had a, he had a point there. He's like, hey, listen, you don't know his story. <laughs> you don't, <laughs> you don't know, know his, his kinks. Story. Don't kink shame the barbecue exactly. pig. Oh, all right. Well, fine. The barbecue shirt, pig, t-shirt, whatever you want to call it, that can that can get the MVP. Everybody Are we did in agreement? Great, we need though. we need unanimous agreement for the shirt. Unanimous agreement, but everybody did great. Beth is nodding. Okay. Everybody did great. Yes. We will, I can sign I'm on to that. I'm loving them all. They're making me happy. Every every chapter is a win. All right. Well, we've got our our final chapter here, Midnight Sun, baby. We are still mind over matter, but again, we have jumped all the way to 18. Um, I want to start this discussion off with a question for you two. Mm -hmm. And if you tell me no, I'm going to die. Please tell me you drive with music. Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I do. What do you mean? Sometimes, G. Do you drive in silence? Sometimes. Oh, no. Other times, like radio, no, talk show, podcast, whatever. stresses me out because Edward has to tune Bella's radio to a- any station for the first time because he turns it on and it's static, which means Bella's never touched this, which means this entire all these months she's been driving in nothing but silence. Nothing but silence. <laughs> well, not silence because she has the loudest truck known to Yeah, me, which means you would want music to try to drown it you'd out. Think, you'd think. Well, oh. maybe, maybe he's so old he didn't think to check the cassette player. Could be. Could I, be. But this shirt, this is a is a truck from 1951 or two. Okay, no cassette player unless exactly. it was installed. <laughs> exactly. I'm so worried about her now. Um, we get Edward's negs, right? Um, you mean his negs of the music? Yes. But we also get what the song is that he's singing along to. Great song. I found that interesting. Um, so the song he says is Pledging My Love by Johnny Ace. But the song itself is kind of a generic, I'll love you forever. I'll love you forever. That's the lyrics. So it is like, you could apply it to Edward and Bella, I guess, but like in the way that you could apply most love songs to couples who are in love. <laughs> Why not? He says that he never warmed up to disco, and that makes me so annoyed. Like, yeah. so you hate he joy has to and qualify fun. his anti sixties and seventies music stance. It's, it's where you can tell she's gotten grief for this. Edward is like, here's why. Here's what I mean. There's some good outliers. There's some good. There's some good music from the 60s and 70s. It does make sense that he never got the hang of disco. Like, no. there, are, there are a lot of people who didn't. And it's, you know, similar to ska. A lot of people didn't no. get ska either. You know, even though it's wonderful. Nobody appreciated disco. And that was the whole problem. What a loss for disco. All they would have had to do was shine the sun on him. And they could have a good time. <laughs> He could just twirl around. Some bell bottoms. <laughs> I guess that's why she couldn't let him be into disco. It would invite too many jokes. <laughs> that's so true. You have a good point there. G you, G, you get some great stuff in this chapter. 
There's some fun little lines. There's, There's some, some amazing stuff. like jokes and world building hints. I love the line where she asks his age and he thinks, what had she imagined already? Millennia behind me? Gothic castles and yes. Transylvanian accents? Well, none of that was impossible. Carlisle knew those types. Carlisle knew those types. Which so is like fun. the first hint we get is kind of alluding to the Volturi and the Romanian coven who are very vampires, vampires. <laughs> Um, so, like, you, you get a sense of how big the world is of the supernatural when you're in his head. He's got a lot more, as Beth was saying, like, context for the things he says. I understand that he Edward wants to keep Bella from, like, pain. Sure, let's go with that. Because um, that's kind of the idea that we get in the beginning here. So I'm trying to, like, sympathize with him, never wanting her to go through the pain of transformation. Because he's like, it's painful. That's all he really tells her. It's, it's agonizing. It's vivid. Um, but then, like... If he doesn't give her that, the pain of transformation, then they both have to go through the pain of eventually losing each other. And I'm real. I'm just tired. I think that's so sad. Let yourself be it's happy. It's a good conflict. Yeah. It's <sighs> Which pain do you want to choose? You know, that's kind of Edward's whole masochist thing. They'll both be going through pain. It makes me sad. Yeah. Know. Well, I mean, it's kind of as we guessed in Twilight. Um, that he is deliberately avoiding telling her about the mechanics of vampire changing because he's hoping that she will not cotton on and she will not want to become a vampire. But yeah, he's thinking about how he never wants her to become a vampire and he's being deliberately vague with her, which she does catch on to. She's like, okay, I'll stop asking because he clearly doesn't want to talk about this. Um, Mm. And his, his answers are almost comedic in that she'll ask a very easy question. She'll be like, how do you make a vampire? And he just goes, it's hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. not an answer, buddy. Carlisle has such strength. Yep, he's doing great. What? She feels like, hello? He uses it as an excuse to stand Carlisle, which is classic Edward behavior. I enjoy it. I'm enjoying this chapter. Well, most of it. Speaking most of, of it. things to enjoy about this chapter, do you have any more notes before the Rosemite flashback? I just don't like that the line, Rosalie had not been a welcome addition in the beginning. Yep. I don't yep. like that. He's I'm gonna sure, be quiet. He's sure honest about how he was a little bitch to Rosalie, a Such trauma survivor. A oh no, it's so bad. Like to be fair, it doesn't sound like she made it easy on him, but like it does he doesn't come off looking great when he whenever he recounts their early he interactions. Comes off really bad at the beginning of him telling their tale here, and yeah. then it slowly gets better, but then he kind of like he'll get us comfy on that rug before he puts it's it out. It's good again. because it it's gives us a starting place. He and Rosalie were clashing from day one. They never yeah. got along. What I did not notice on my first read through, did not pick up until this read through, is that he fucking narked on her when she was plotting yep. revenge on her rapists he went and told carlisle what she was doing snooping in her thoughts told carlisle not fucking cool edward not fucking cool what's crazy to me is that carlisle fucking helped yeah because he realized he wasn't going to be able to convince her otherwise that's so unusual for his character like edward narks on rosalie carlisle goes to her and is like listen i i wish you would try to like you know forgive and like move on with your life or whatever and she's like no and he's like Okay, well, since you won't, here's how to kill them. But it makes me wonder, is it is it because of the guilt that he feels over changing her? 
I or think is it possibly. just because he's like, if you're going to do it anyway, I'd rather you do it right. Um, Cause I, I think he doesn't want her to slip up and drink blood. I think that's a more important long-term goal. Yeah. Okay. And she doesn't want to slip up and drink blood either. So that's something they can agree on and work together on, I guess. <laughs> and yeah. they succeeded. Spoiler. She does in fact kill all of her rapists without drinking any of their blood. Queen. Good for her. Queen. <laughs> then we finally get our beautiful Rosalie Emmett moment. Um, which was so exciting to like really get a full story um, of the characters and the relationships as this was playing out. So do you want to like summarize real quick what happens in the the rest of this flashback? I mean, we find out that she went on her missions of revenge. What's crazy is that when Edward hears Rosalie approaching the house with Bloody Emmett, he doesn't know what's going on, but he immediately assumes that it's because she's found another one of her attackers and is bringing him like back to the house or something because he's originally like i wasn't worried that she'd slipped up no 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 no. he's got so much faith in her abilities i thought she'd found another one of her attackers and that's what was happening right now and i was like running down expecting to see something other than her screaming for help yeah she brings bloodied emmett and he's been it sounds pretty rough he's been slashed he's been mauled by a bear he's got broken bones he's not even strong enough to like moan when she puts him down which i like that detail and like the it's very interesting moment there's a there's a real capital m moment so rosalie is standing there and she's giving she gives this injured man to carlisle and apparently in edward's head carlisle is thinking like there's nothing i can do to save this man and carlisle's just kind of like uh rosalie's saying save him save him i guess that's all she can say and edward's like no that's not like what she means like yeah because carlisle's like i can't save him with my medical abilities and edward's like interprets rosalie's thoughts for her and he's like no 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 that's not what she means that's not what she means and rosalie apparently looks over at him grateful because she can't verbalize anything she's covered in this man's blood and there's a line and i don't know exactly what the line says but it says something along the lines of this was the moment where i realized how beautiful she was and yes that's in there there's some really strong images i love the the image of right after carlisle realizes that's what rosalie wants he doesn't even hesitate Oh yeah, he says, "I won't hesitate, bitch. I will bite this man." He's all day. like, "You guys might want to get out of the room. You guys." But it's might interesting leave. that, like, the way Edward phrases it is, "I finally saw how far he would go for Rosalie." Yeah. What I like is the imagery of the two of them because they run out of the house. They're both really, really trying to resist Emmett's blood, and they, you know, just barely succeeding, and they plunge straight into a river, and then they're lying on the muddy riverbank and talking. Like having their first heart to heart. Rosalie just starts talking. She finally like explains to him, like she's like trying to sort out what just happened and like why, why this guy, what did I do? Like what, what is happening to me? And Edward is like helping her and like listening for once. And like this being their, their first heart to heart after what, like two or three years of fighting and not getting along. Um, And he says that line where he's like, when we returned, it was finally as brother and sister, which is like, oh, my heart. That's so good. That's such a good arc in this one little flashback. I, I love it. it. I love I it. I'm emotional. I'm emotional. Yeah. No, this was, I don't, I mean, it was just like a very, very well executed, I think, flashback that finally contextualizes so much of their relationship and like how Emmett changed it without even doing anything. He's just dying. He hasn't even done anything to reconcile them and he's already reconciled them. I love how we get this whole <laughs> moment though. In between just two of Bella's questions. Because it goes to show back to what you said, Beth, about how 
Yeah. Whoop. Expanding. Yep. Suddenly we're just going to expand everything and like give you all this information in between all of this dialogue. And I, it's, it's fantastic. It makes me so happy. Yeah. Bella's totally unaware that he like just relived this super dramatic memory. He's playing through his memories like movie. It also introduces very strong themes of fatalism and like predestination um, that are going to be a huge thing in these books. Like we already got a little hint of it with the whole Bella being Edward Singer and him being like how, you know, the, the kind of weird connection between them that's like ooh, were they fated to love each other is it like almost a soulmate a you vibe um we get a little bit of that where rosalie he's he's ruminating on how crazy it is that emmett and rosalie turned out to be perfect each for each other that she found a random man suffering from a bear attack and it turned out to be her soulmate it's all about fate with these cullens here yes which i could go on the world's longest tangent about how that relates to mormonism um really i sure could there's a big big belief in predestined souls um where like that everyone's souls already exist up and are floating around up in some on some other plane and that's part of why they have so many children is they're trying to claim all the souls for their religion hold on (laughs) i don't know about that i don't know how i feel about that yep it's a thing um yeah so it's it's interesting that it pops up here because i at no point do i think she's consciously trying to be like this is my mormon agenda but you can tell in some ways like oh it comes out yeah this might be a connection here why she wrote this maybe yeah that's true. Is it right after this that we get the Jasper Ellis stuff? Well, he first he slut James Rosalie and Emmett. He like undoes all the beautiful work <laughs> of that plot, that flashback. He's like, I love them separately, but I can't be near them when they're together. He I calls forgot. them a grueling ordeal. That's so I completely forgot about that line. That's Shut funny. up, Edward. That's my grueling ordeal. My entire note about the Alice Jasper part is just I'm crying. I can't even form any notes. And then <laughs> we're fuck a little me. biased. And then it says "fuck me, bro." <laughs> and then it just lists the page number. I don't know what emotions I was experiencing. For a long time, my pinned post was just this passage and a bunch of gifs of people like freaking out, crying, lying down in the rain. <laughs> so. Well, the introduction of the family, we it, we get the whole the whole thing. Alice and Jasper, how they showed up when Emmett and Edward were gone because Alice yes. was like, "No, they need to not be around when this happens." She's very strategic. <laughs> it's um, funny, but it's another. It's what I was talking about earlier with the wish fulfillment of Alice's powers. How basically Edward and Emmett arrived home one day and they had two new siblings, and Alice ran over and hugged Edward and was really happy to see him. And he, she gave him a flash forward of like all her memories of him and her future memories of things they were going to do together and was like, I love you. And he was like, yay. It's funny though, because Edward says something about the lion, something along the lines of the second Emmett saw Jasper, he was ready to like throw down because he was like, who the fuck is this guy? Yes. Yeah. Well, because Jasper looks like a scary fucking dude. A war torn um, little mangled monster. I always latched on to this line where, so after Alice hugs Edward and Emmett is still confused about what the hell is happening. Um, Edward says, this is Alice Emmett. She's part of our family. And that's Jasper. You're going to love him. him. Which... Ugh, the bromance of it all. I love them. They're best friends. They are best friends. They're best friends. 
I love that he does that though. He like immediately directs Emmett to Jasper. Like that's going to be your, your person for beating yeah. the shit out of recreationally. I do need to read the very next line though, because he says immediately after that, there were so many stories about Alice, so many miracles and phenomena, paradoxes and enigmas. I could have spent the rest of the week just telling Bella the bullet point version. And please, 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 please. I want that so bad. I want that so bad. I want that so bad. This is like the spinoff television <laughs> series. That's just about like Alice doing that. So Raven style hijinks like <laughs> throughout the decades, you know, you could really skip around in time. Anyways, I just, I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I yes. can't. Anyway, I love here. it. I love it. Get me out of here. Oh, we get a Voltori name drop. Yes. Rare gem. I forgot about that. It said they were very far away and very much absorbed in their mission to police the vampire world. That would never affect Bella's life beyond the lore they concocted to protect Immortal's privacy. Oh, honey, you got a big storm. And this is that dramatic irony Beth was talking about. so (laughs) funny. I like that we got a name drop for them, though. It's pretty fun. Hey, Chi. Yeah? Can you read Alice's first memory? Do you want me to read Alice's Can first you read memory? Alice's first memory? I feel like a child is asking me for a bedtime story. I am. This is the one that was my um, pinned post. I'm going to lay down while you read it. Flashback don't mind me. part two. It's actually part one. We're skipping around in time a lot. I'd seen that first memory. Bright morning sunlight, a light mist hanging in the air. Tangled grass surrounding her. Broad oak trees shading the hollow where she woke. Besides that, a blankness. No sense of identity or purpose. She'd looked at her pale skin shimmering in the sun and not known who or what she was. And then the first vision had taken her. A man's face, fierce but also broken, scarred but beautiful. Deep red eyes and a mane of golden hair. With this face came a profound conviction of belonging. And then she saw him speaking a name. Alice. Her name, she realized. Damn, okay. (laughs) Going to go jump into traffic. That's it. I'll I, come you with can you. say whatever you want about the rest of the chapter. I'm simply, I can't. Yeah, it's a hell of a hell of a description. Hell of a first vision. Again, we get our theme of predestination and soulmates. The name paradox, though, is so. The funny. name paradox was what I zeroed in on immediately. I have an an old post about this. I feel like I say that twice per episode. I'm sorry, guys. Don't you have one that's like? But I know your name because you told me your name and she's like well no i know my name because you said my name in the future it just goes around and around and my i love it though because alice is so fucking weird the alice paradox we get the note that if alice had not had her visions to guide her she would have become a quote-unquote total savage which is another thing that our our neck of the fandom fucking loves hell yeah (laughs) this messy feral rat girl yes skinnier oh the the lasagna. Somebody talks about the fucking lasagna and how Edward somehow can figure out what food is by its smell. Yes. Oh my god, that was so yes. funny. Please, I because he picks up the pizza in episode yep. um, ten. Yep. Doesn't know what it is, even though he's holding it and taking a bite. Doesn't know what he is. So you're telling me this whole time he could have just inhaled to sniff it, and he would have been able to detect the 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 pepperoni and the, the cheese. That might be giving us too much credit. He should have been able to. He, he was, should he was have been able to. Because in this, he's talking about how, oh, I could smell the whatever. And it must yes. have been something Italian. Something Italian. Yes. <laughs> if uh, human food tastes the same to you, how can you still pick out these smells is my question. It, yeah. 
Um, I do like the next thought, though, which is that he thinks about learning to cook for Bella. That's there you go. Have your something nice about Edward. There it is. <laughs> yeah, I like is that. Cute. That would be nice. You should it's cook for her. Cute. I oh, my God. This there's a sentence. So Bella is okay. hug, they're like hugging and it says her body relaxed. A happy sound, almost a hum or a purr side out of her. No, no, Bella. no, no. Oh, Why? my God. Why do the women purr in this chapter? Why do they purr at all? Good question. Your book, guess is as good books. as mine. My note was just Stephanie. What that. in Satan's small intestine is this? <laughs> it is fucking wild to me that we are meant to understand that for the entirety of, of that twilight hole. chapter he is dressed in an open sleeveless <laughs> white button down shirt is he walking around with like a vest of a shirt and it's like edward buddy you know you can button it back up right if what is a sleeveless button down what he's wearing I, that's the question what he's wearing oh this is awful Oh, this is cursed. This looks awful. Yeah, but hes we're meant to understand that that's how he's dressed this entire chapter. At no point does he button it back up. He's just free balling it, I guess. Well, we were talking about boys and shirtlessness. We were. We were. That's a good point. That's a good point. Sleeveless white button down Edward. Yes. He's lurking in the shadows of the hallway of Bella's okay. house, listening in on her and Charlie, thinking about how shirtless he is. Yeah. Yeah, and I had... No one's stopping you from buttoning your shirt, Edward, you godless whore. Um, (laughs) I do love the sentence, Charlie was still thinking about the moon. (laughs) Aren't we all? Oh, I just have one comment. Bella really loves to slam a fucking door. She slams doors. She does it a couple times in this chapter. She does it in so many of these chapters. So often will Bella slam a door and she thinks that she like actively thinks about it when she does it. It's another like Stephanie Meyer pattern. It's like it is constant a mentioning of, of eyes. She loves to slam a door. Poor Charlie's probably just like, why slam the fucking door? Stop it. But he's like, I have a teenager. I have a child. I yes. am being dad. I will let it slide. Yeah. Well, I found it interesting that while Bella is in the shower, Charlie goes out to her truck and Edward thinks about how he's trying to keep her from sneaking out. Is he supposed to be disabling Bella's truck here? I don't know. It's so know. unclear. This it is passage so is so unclear. Not clear at all. It's bad. Oh, and then Edward finally looks at her books for the first time he ever. Finally, He's been spending yes. months in her room at night and he only now looks at her books. Yeah. I called him the fuck out for not looking at her books, so I gotta applaud him here for while she's in the shower, he takes out Tooth and Claw, which is the one book she listed off as a favorite that he hadn't read. And he starts reading it. And he even tells us he leaves off on page 166, which I really wanted to go find the book and figure out what that was. I didn't have time. I'll put it in the show notes. What did he leave off on? He does read real fast. I enjoyed that little thought where he's like, yeah, he's like almost, he's over 150 pages in in a few minutes. Very fun. I like that. Sure, sure. Cute. I I didn't even clock that because I also read very fast. I was like, yeah, 166, okay, that's normal. Okay, not like most girls. Whatever. <laughs> Listen, I'm like some girls. We've got Ray. We've got a lot of friends who read fast. Not me. Hyperlexics. I didn't have as much as many notes toward the back half of the chapter. Again, my my anti-Ed Bella, my pro-other Cullen bias is showing. Um, I was like hyper fixating on these flashbacks and not so much yeah. on the actual action of the chapter. Which we knew. We've been knew that was going to yeah. happen. Well, we get the like, Edward's most iconic. Well, one of Edward's most iconic lines of this book. Which is? Do you know what it is? I don't know what you mean. I avoided the word sex because she did. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Had that note. Funny. Well, there are 
are two, the two notes that I made, um, one of them is, I'd been too busy following Bella around like a demented bodyguard, and I then there's another note. line about how like, I'm glad she didn't like let me off the hook for, for stalking her or something like that, and it's just like, that, that feels very retconny, like. Yep, <laughs> well he's, he's very well. lampshady about the stalking in this chapter, which I should probably define that. Lampshading is when a character draws attention to something weird so that the audience will think it's less weird. He says numerous times he talks about his poor behavior, his oh. shameful admission that he was stalking her. He, he definitely phrases it as a bad thing to do. Yes. Um, and he even voices my own thought from earlier in Twilight, where he says, strange that this, the overhearing of her sleep talk, would be her one objection to my stalking. So he even calls it his stalking. Yeah. So like, it's definitely she's trying real hard to kind of balance out the criticism there. Uh, does it work? I mean, eh. it's 20 years later. Of course it doesn't work. It's 20 years but later. But points for effort, I guess. Yeah. Um, eh. I like the over-the-top description of Bella in her holy pajamas, where he says, with her wet hair looping in long seaweed tangles around her shoulders and her oh, face glowing this. in the moonlight, she looked more than good. The English language oh. needed a word that meant something halfway between a goddess and a naiad. How did I miss this? What the hell? So. <laughs> it's the seaweed stuff that confused me. And you have to drink for Bella's ocean deep eyes. There's a lot of ocean motifs oh, just because she takes one shower. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so we're die. lucky that Bo didn't shower or Edith would have been comparing him to like the pillars of Atlantis instead of the yeah. ceiling of a Cambodian yes, monastery. Have. That's what I really miss in Midnight Sun. I was like, damn, what are you going to compare her to the ceiling of a Cambodian monastery? Raising the bar. That's what Edith does. Hey, queen. Doing it flawlessly, you know? My only other note is just that the last line is really cute because it's just Bella whispering in her sleep that she loves Edward. Yeah. I thought that was a little, that was a little much. I also did, <laughs> right, considering she already said that out loud earlier today so is it really it's like the cherry on top and like you don't really want the cherry but it looks good so you're gonna let the cherry sit there i I had it's a bookend i guess (laughs) like my overall note was just that edward's a lot more self-aware in this chapter than he usually is um like it it definitely felt like the meadow scene was a big turning point in his self-awareness the therapy work he for once correctly understands that bella is horny not afraid for like the second time ever in these books and he doesn't immediately dismiss it this time he's just way more tolerable now that he's not constantly self-flagellating like it's that those two factors the the self-awareness and the lack of the constant masochism Mm -hmm. made a big difference yeah (laughs) and then my other note was enjoy it while it lasts folks yeah good point all right well i don't have any other comments no not me either i mean just the the mvp talk Oh yeah. Um ooh, MVP. Mm. I don't know. Seaweed hair? I was gonna say Rosalie. Because we get really okay. good content in okay. that we flashback. Do. She definitely we had the most character development in a chapter that she was not even in. So that's kind of a cool accomplishment for her. And I just love her. I just I'm love always that down to give it bitch. to Rosalie. You know I me. I fucking love her. All right. I'm I'm on I'm on board. All right, let's. Wrap let's, up business. Let's wrap up, wrap baby. Up okay, okay, okay. Um, first of all, thanks, Beth, for coming. Beth, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This is fun. I have been holding in 
Twilight opinions for years <gasps> because I have no one to talk to them about. <laughs> you can just unleash them at any time. It, now. it felt so good. I feel like I feel like I, I I've unburdened myself. I don't have to hold them anymore. Wow, it's like confession. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you guys want to check out Beth's social media accounts and her projects, very cool projects, um, like the Fan Author Workshop and OFIC Magazine, um, she's going to tell you where you can find her right now. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm Bettsfic on Tumblr, B-E-T-T-S-F-I-C. Uh, and I'm, I've, I've moved out away from Twitter. <laughs> um, so yeah, pretty much yeah. just Good Betsvik and, uh, Ofic Mag on Tumblr. Amazing. Go check out Ofic Mag because you can get your own physical copy of it or a digital copy. And I ha- I have the digital copies and I'm starting to wish I had the physical copies. Oh, they're beautiful. When does the next copy come out? The next one is out uh, January 1st. So they will be in time. Yeah. This episode, we're airing December. Yeah. <gasps> Get it as a Christmas gift or a other holiday gift for yourself. Oh, yeah. We have backstock issues uh, if you want a physical issue and you're not uh, uh, a patron. So. Oh, this is exciting. Well, in addition to checking out all Beth's social media accounts, you can, as always, find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram. TikTok, Tumblr, three books, one plot. You can send us another email if you want us to read your email on the air at three books, one plot at gmail.com. We are on Twitter, sadly. Um, it's three books, one plot, but with numbers instead of letters, instead of being spelled out, I mean. Um, and we love reading your guys' comments, hearing from you, and interacting with you in general. Um, speaking of which, one fun way to interact that's coming right up is our second ever Bella's Book Club. Uh, So this episode airs December 19th, which means you still have one week to read The Princess Bride, which we're going to talk about on our social medias, but especially on our Bella's Book Club Discord on Monday, December 26th. So happy Boxing Day. Time to have opinions on The Princess Bride. Um, And I can't wait to hear what you guys think because the book is so different from the movie. Book Club is super easy because you can kind of choose like how much you want to participate. You can just tag us in a Tumblr post at Bella's Book Club, all one word, and we'll reblog it. You can send us an anon um send us your thoughts on any of our social medias and we'll share them and then we also have an official discord discussion at 8 p.m est where you can chime in which is super fun last time and we also ended up hosting a discord movie night a week or so later so we likely do that again since the film the princess bride is so iconic so follow bella's book club tumblr for updates on when the next one of those will be (laughs) this is exciting oh all right. Anyways, uh, G, do you have a safety tip for Bella this week? I have a, s- a safety tip from Edith this week, actually. I oh, thought I'd get crazy with it. Okay. Um, Edith's safety tip of the week is to practice safe vampire sex. Keep a blanket oh between God. you as a oh, full body condom and make sure you got at least a C in Sex and Vampires 102. Thank you. <sighs> that is all. Y'all, you heard it here first, folks. Y'all be safe out there. Bye. Bye. Bye.